All right, if you have your Bibles, turn to Proverbs chapter 24 tonight, Proverbs chapter 24, and I uh, want to preach a little bit on Sunday nights for the next few weeks on um, how we can have godly relationships, godly relationships. Proverbs chapter 24, verse 3 and 4. If you have that and find it, stand to your feet, we'll read the Word of God and get right into the message. We'll cut the handshaking out, I know some of you hate to do that, you just love shaking hands and talking in the aisles, and, but we got to get over and pray with the family, and also we got a brief ladies meeting right after the service to get the food set for the uh, missions revival. Proverbs chapter 24 and verse 3 and 4, I started a Sunday school class that lasted about 10 years called the Home Improvement Class from these verses, and uh, maybe we ought to start it back, I don't know, but um, uh, God really blessed in those 10 years. And I taught on the home every Sunday morning at 10 o'clock sharp. And um, we need that. We need it. Proverbs 24, 3 and 4 says, Through wisdom is a house built, and by understanding it is established. I don't know if, I don't know if you realize this or not, but there's a lot of homes on shaky ground in Dalton, Georgia. One out of two. And by knowledge shall the chambers be filled with all precious and pleasant Riches. A wise man is strong, yea, a man of knowledge increases strength. For by wise counsel thou shalt make thy war, and in multitude of counselors there is safety. But wisdom is too high for a fool. <clears throat> wisdom is too high for a fool. He openeth not his mouth in the gate. You may be seated as I pray. Father, thank you. For the good testimony time and the good song, Lord, I remember hearing Brother Billy Kelly sing that song many years ago up in North Carolina. And God, we thank you that the prodigal son had a perfect father to come home to, the picture of you. And Lord, we thank you for your grace and strength to rebuild our lives, rebuild our relationships, uh, rebuild God and breathe into our homes your presence and your breath, <clears throat> your blessing. God, we pray, Lord Jesus, you'd use this. God, I, I, I feel impressed to preach this message. And God, I know that I need it. And I know each one of us need it. And God, we don't need to take for granted our mates. Uh, Lord, I pray for all the folks this week as they have a good week. Brother Steve, as he faces this MRI. And God, as people face the heart test, Miss Margaret tomorrow. So many people going through some uh, very major situations in their life. Most indeed, Lord, we pray for the Newberry family as, Lord, they might um, uh, have a time where they just need to rejoice in heaven and your presence and your power. So, Lord, give peace and give grace. And we'll thank you. And God, help our homes, help our marriages. In Jesus' precious name I pray, amen. Through wisdom is a house built, and by understanding it's established. Uh, the book of Proverbs is a book of wisdom. Say amen right there. And folks, I want to tell you something. If we can build our house on wisdom, then we'll understand that it's established and that it's pleasant riches. And I don't believe that means one second these temporal things that money can buy. I believe it's things that money could never buy, like peace and joy like a good night's rest, like love and security, 
like trust and hope, like um, uh, affirmation and edification from your mate. See, words can either edify you or just devastate you. Communication is so important. God's word is communication. God's privilege to pray, give us a prayer. That's communication. We're talking to our Father. The first family problem in the Bible is recorded in Genesis 3 where the devil started talking to Eve and she was deceived by the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life and thinking she could be independent, even living in the garden and paradise, had everything. Praise God, they were just as happy as could be. But the devil would word subtly, satanically, because he is the devil, deceived the first couple. And sin is the result. And friend, I want to tell you something. If the devil can get Eve and the devil can get Adam, he can get you too. With the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. But I want to just define what is wisdom by using the book of Proverbs. And I want to emphasize what the Bible emphasizes about wisdom. Y'all might want to take a few notes, especially if your mate's not here, and take them home to her or to him. I'm serious. First of all, we see that wisdom, according to Proverbs 9 verse 10, is the fear of God. Through the fear of God, our houses will be built. Through the fear of God, we'll have pleasant and precious blessings that the world knows not of. Look at Proverbs chapter 9, verse 10. Proverbs 9, verse 10. We're going to probably stay in Proverbs. I wanted to preach in uh, James chapter 3, which I didn't get to yesterday. But I believe we're going to be right in Proverbs for a while. Just a little while. Proverbs 9, 10 says this, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of what? Wisdom. And the knowledge of the holy is understanding. Folks, I want you to know that we can have wisdom to respect each other. Yesterday I had a plate that Miss Rose made me from the retreat. It had the crazy cycle on it. I don't know why I don't have the positive cycle. It has the crazy cycle. Without respect, without love, Without respect, without love, it just is a cesspool of, of uh, destruction. But with respect and with love, this is taken out of Ephesians chapter 5, verse 33. Brother Tony preached the whole book to us, Respect and Love. It was tremendous. Um, we have fulfillment. We have joy. We have peace. We have, we have, uh, we have a, 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 a husband that loves his wife as Christ loved the church. And then we have a, a lady that respects her husband and admires her husband and edifies her husband and builds up her husband and encourages her husband. It's just got to go better. Amen? And folks, there's a joy there. There's a contentment there. There's a love there. There's a peace there. There's a stability there that not the world knows not of. Amen? Because I don't know if you know it or not, but if you lose respect for your mate, you're in trouble. You lose respect for your wife, you're going to take her for granted. And if you lose respect for your man, 
You're going to just say, he's just any other man and any other man will do. And folks, you're going to go down the tubes and down the drain as quick as quicksand. As quick as getting caught in a whirlpool. And you'll be saying, what happened to my marriage? What happened to my relationship? I'll tell you what happened. You didn't go by the Bible. I'll tell you what happened. You said you thought you was independent Baptist enough not to need church and not to need Sunday school and not to need daily devotion and not to need gospel music and garbage in, garbage out uh, music and you, you uh, neglected God in such a way that you disrespected God. See, the fear of God doesn't mean you're afraid He's going to kill you any minute. The fear of God is reverence. Respect your God. And the fear of God is like this illustration I've given often. I wonder if I said, uh, we're going to do an experiment. We're going to get a camera and we're going to set it up up there in Keith Valley where uh, Brother Jeremy and Miss Angie live. We're going to put a camera in every room except the bathroom. And, you know, we're going to put that in there, every room, Amen. And we're going to record, this is your life, Jeremy. And this is your life, Angie, for the whole week. And then we're going to show it on Sunday night just to show the example of a couple in their everyday life. I'm going to tell you something, friend. They would be a great week for Jeremy and Angie. I mean, they wouldn't fuss. They wouldn't fight. I know you don't. Y'all perfect couple. But uh, y'all would, would never disagree. Uh, you, would, uh, you would smile and greet and praise God. You'd not only hug the dog, you'd hug each other. And I mean, you would just have a wonderful week. Because Sunday night, Brother Wayne's promise, he's going to show this is your week. That's the fear of man. That's the fear of man. You're more concerned about what people think than what God knows. Folks, through wisdom is a house built. And through understanding is it established. And it's just not built and established. That sounds a little cold. But by knowledge shall the chamber be filled with precious and pleasant riches. What a verse. What a promise. So number one, the wisdom is knowing God, seeing God. It's... Um, not only the fear of God, but it's the focus from God. I want to tell you something. If you fear God, your whole perspective changes. When you reverence God, everything is, is sifted and filtered through this. Does this glorify God? Does this action glorify God? Does this reaction glorify God? Does uh, this activity glorify God? I don't think you can drink on Saturday night and show up on Sunday morning thinking you're some good Christian. Say amen right there. I don't think you can hang around a crowd for six days a week that take God's name in vain and you think it's cute and you think it's funny and you think it's cool and show up on Sunday morning and think it's okay. Folks, that's called hypocrite. That's called hypocrisy. That's called Sunday uh, schoolism. That's not called Christianity. Folks, Christianity is knowing that God knows. That's the fear of God. But also it's aware of His presence in our home and make a difference. Through wisdom is a house built. Through understanding is it established. And it's, the chambers are filled with precious gifts. 
And I want to tell you what the precious gift is. You count your wife as a gift from God. Because Adam was just minding his own business and God said, you know, it's not good that man should be alone. And he brought unto him Eve, made out of his heart, not his foot. Say amen. And certainly not over his head. Women, you don't usurp authority over your man. You ain't coming over his head. And you surely ain't out of his foot. You're out of his heart. Y'all love each other. As Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. And then there's love and respect, love and respect, love and respect. And it's a beautiful cycle of energy. You want to energize your mate, try a little respect. Let me ask you a question. Do you smile when she comes in the room or when she leaves the room? Don't answer that out loud now. She's going to slap you upside the head. But no. Uh, do you, you know, well, I smile when she leaves the room if I'm watching my favorite ball team. No, don't, don't, don't answer that. I'm just saying, do you smile when she comes in the room? Amen? I want to say this, and I want to say it very kindly. One day she's not going to be in your room. I was all tore up about Daryl. Uh, it's calling. I walked in the bedroom to wake my wife up, and she's already awake. She's, she's, she's sick this week. She's right beside me during the whole couple's retreat and been with me all week trying to support me and help me. And just for a second, I thought, it sure would be sad not to have her here. It sure would be lonely. Changed my whole attitude. I didn't fuss and say, come on, we've got to make the prayer meeting. Bless God. Let's hurry. Just, sweetheart, where are you? We've got to go to church. We need to go to church. We've got to pray. We've got to go, we gotta go to Brother Darrell's real quick. Look at my watch. said, we can't make it because it's 530 prayer meeting. Knowing that God knows wherever he's present. Folks, I want to tell you something. Death's going to separate you one day. And I'll tell you what's more deadly and more tragic and more horrendous than death is divorce. Because the kids can figure out death, but they can't figure out divorce. They, can't, they blame themselves. They really do. I don't know why. I've counseled people hundreds of times over 46 years. No, excuse me. Um, yeah, 46 years of counseling. I started counseling as soon as I was called to preach. And every time it seems like there's a divorce, the kids say, it's my fault. I said, what in the world? Why? Maybe I could have done more. Maybe I should have done more. Maybe it was my disobedience that caused it. So first of all, there's the fear of God is with me. And then there's the focus from God. That your wife is a gift. That your husband's a gift. That it's to death do you part. It's a divine covenant. And that God has placed you together not to endure to the bitter end but to enjoy life together. What's that verse say in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 7? That we ought to honor the wife as a weaker vessel. I mean, she's more fragile. Well, I tell you, we, 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 I really believe I was in the best men's class I've ever been in my life yesterday morning. I really do. Amen, Nathan? I really believe it was one of the most straightforward class on how to be a man of God that I've ever been in my life. I'm going to have Brother Keith up here to preach it and teach it 
He gave snapshots from all the by Joseph, what his trait was, and, and uh, Job, you know, he was patient, amen, and it was, just, it was just wonderful. But I want to say this, I want to say it very clearly, that folks, we need to realize that God has gifted us, but God has instilled in us the ministry of marriage. It's the greatest ministry you have. If you fail there, don't think you're going to have a ministry here that's effective. I'm, I'm just saying this, friend. You've got to rebuild your life by the grace of God because there's so many families that want to know that God's able to bring in wisdom and love and precious gifts and live above this stinking world. Amen. Amen. I hate to be so blunt. But I'm going to tell you something. There's a lot of people that need to have hope in Christ, in you. For someone, you're the best couple they know. And they don't need another excuse. They need an example of what Christianity is really like, especially your children, where they're going to get a pattern. So you can sull up and pout all you want to, big boy. You can, you can nag all you want to, dear lady. But I want to tell you something, friend. It'll ruin the atmosphere of your home to the, to the extent that your children won't even want to go to church. Amen. I'm telling you the truth, and I ain't got time to play around tonight, and I don't usually play around on Sunday night, but I'll tell you what, folks. We need to have the fear of God. We need to have a focus of seeing this world through God's eyes. But I want to close with this in the next 21 minutes. We need to have a flow from the heart of appropriate and godly and encouraging words. I was amazed, Brother Steve, as I studied and studied and studied for this sermon. It's going to be a session in my marriage retreat from now on. I got one in Pigeon Ford in a couple of weeks. I'm really worried about that because that's the weekend that Tennessee and Georgia get together up there near Pigeon Ford, and I'm afraid there's going to be too much orange and red around for us to concentrate. We're going to try our best. Amen. Half that church is Tennessee fans, and you know what I am. We're going to have a good time. But folks, it's more than a game. It's more than a little petty game. It's called marriages. Folks, I want to tell you something. I was amazed, Brother Steve, that 153 times communication is mentioned in the book of wisdom. 153 verses mention the word tongue 19 times. Mouth 52 times. Lips 42 times. And words 40 times. So in the book of wisdom, it spends more time on this subject than any subject, and I didn't know it till this week, of how to express yourself. Amen. The right use of words. Amen. You know, words can devastate a person. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me is the biggest lie 
rhymes have ever tried to rhyme, praise God. I want to tell you something, words can hurt you. Attitude can devastate you. I wish sometimes over the years that somebody just slapped me up by, upside the head and say what they said about me and my family. It would have been a lot easier to get over. But I had to go to, I had to, go to bed weeping and stay up all night saying, why did they say that? Why did they say that? Why did they want to go after my kids? Why did they want to go after my wife? And I just prayed to God I wouldn't get bitter and move on to another church because somebody didn't like me. Flowing with the right words at the right time, at the right place. I want you to turn just for a few verses on this. Proverbs chapter 15. I feel serious coming on, a real serious series on communication. Look at Proverbs 15, 23. Proverbs 15 and Proverbs 18 is full of of these verses on communication. Godly, sweet communication. You say, well, I just don't believe in that. I don't talk much. You talk about what you love. Right. Say amen. I can corner some of you men. You'll talk about that. Amen. You'll talk about it. You, you mean, you'll just talk and talk and talk and talk about it. Amen. You scuba divers, just, get, just, just mention the word scuba and y'all take off. I'm looking at you, Blaine and Brother Randy. Come on, I'll name your names. Praise God, they'll talk about it. My, 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 my son loves it. Praise God, I didn't know he was going to take marine biology up there at Barry. I mean, he just loves all that stuff underneath there. I don't even like putting my head under the water when I'm in the shower. <laughs> I ain't going down there. You can forget that. Praise God. I heard Brother Randy talking this afternoon in the hallway this morning about somebody being trapped three days in a cave. I said, that's it for me, praise God. I ain't never been trapped in the woods three days playing golf, hallelujah. I ain't been lost for three days playing golf. In a, uh, I'll, just, I'll just stay with golf, hallelujah, amen. Come on, I'm just picking on you for the point. But look at this, um, Proverbs 15. Uh, let me look at verse 23. In the heart of the righteous studieth the answer, but the mouth of the wicked poureth out evil things. You know what that's saying? You just spout off. Come on. Come on, couples. Sometimes you wish you could say, rewind. I wish I hadn't said that. And you said some things that were so damaging that you could slap yourself, but it's too late. You just got it. It's like texting. You ever send a text and it spell checked it and you want to say, bunch of ladies was trying to plan something in this church and they had my they would have my approval they put me in their little group I wish I'd have never gotten your group and I remember I said we'll shoot for 3 o'clock in Sunday afternoon that thing changed that word and I looked at it and it was gone and all those ladies in the church got me cussing on text I went, I said, honey, come here quick. Look at this. I want you to be my witness. How do I get it back? <laughs> you ever done that on Facebook? Kaylee, come on now. You ever put someone there and say, wait a minute. Spell check has just checked me out. 
And some of you are just vicious anyway. You just want to, you want to cut down somebody. Listen, friends, you ain't got uh, you ain't got any more important thing to do than get on Facebook and criticize somebody. You need to get a life. Come on, say amen. We're home now. This is Sunday night. We can take it. Hey, we ought to flow with words, but we ought to flow with righteous, studied words. You know what that's saying? We ought to think about what we say before we say it. Look at Proverbs 8.13, please. 8.13. Some of you don't talk enough to, to make a mistake. <laughs> and that offends people too. You just walk by them like they're a stump on the log. Hey, how you doing? You don't even say good morning, nothing, you know. Kiss my foot, you know, it don't matter. You think, and then, then, then I go home and say, Connie, did I offend him? Is he mad at me again? What in the world? He wouldn't speak to his pastor? Good night. Get over it. Say amen. If I'm friendly towards you, I expect a little friendliness back. Say amen. I'm getting bitter about it. No, not really. Look, look, at, look at chapter 8, verse 13. The Bible says the fear of the Lord is to hate evil. How many hate evil? Say amen. Pride. Who do you think you are to think you can live independent from God? That's pride. And arrogance. You ever met an arrogant person? Boy, they're hard to live with and get along with. Say amen. Arrogant. Look at this. And, 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 pride, and the fear of the Lord hates evil ways. But look at this, and the forward mouth do I hate. Folks, we need to pray about everything we say. And there's sometimes we don't need to say anything. Look at Proverbs 18.4, please. Proverbs 18.4. We're just having a little Bible study tonight. I'm enjoying it. Sorry, Brother Howard. I just had to preach this again. Proverbs 18.4. Bible says this, the words of a man's mouth are as a deep water and the wellspring of wisdom is a flowing brook. Get the picture. This is where I got my title from. Breathing life into your marriage. The Bible says the words of a man's mouth are as a deep water. That means there's some refreshment to it. And a wellspring of wisdom is a flowing brook. Folks, that just Flowing brook. Uh, why is it that cabins are higher just by a little brook? One time me and my wife, we went up to Gatlinburg, that's where it was, and, and we had to pay about $100, no, about $20 more for a, a riverside cabin. We got in that thing, got on the porch, and I looked, and it was a creek about this wide. <laughs> it looked bigger in the picture. <laughs> looked bitter, it looked a whole lot better in the video. I said, honey, come on out here on the porch. Let's look at this creek. And that guy, and I, she said, oh, that's nice. Don't you hear that water, honey? I said, yeah, but, man, I thought we could at least swim in a little bit or something, amen. Get Randy up here and go scuba diving or something, amen. But a brook's peaceful. I like the water, don't you? I like the ocean. I'm afraid my son's going to move there. He likes it so much. But I want to tell you something, folks. The words of a man to his wife should be refreshing. It should be a breath of life. It sure shouldn't be this hateful, cynical, critical, pessimistic attitude that some of you men have. And you say, well, how do you know that? Because your wife is so sad. 
You ought to refresh her. You ought to edify her. You ought to build her up. You ought to, you ought to exalt, exalt the, the office of marriage and the blessing of marriage and, and enjoy each other. And I'm going to tell you something. It just might be that your children one day will want to marry somebody like you. You know why mothers cry at weddings? Because most girls marry somebody like their daddy. <laughs> Come on, don't leave on me. You ain't, hey, hurry back. Hey, listen, friend, I want to tell you something. We need to realize that God Almighty has established the marriage to be full of wisdom, the fear of God, the focus of God, but the flowing communication of heart to heart. The breath of life back in our marriage is like a flowing brook. It's like a spring of wisdom. Fresh and flowing. It's breath. Breath. It's life. It's spontaneity. It's, it's romance. God help you not to get over romance. Romance is Christ's love in action. It's called kindness. Romance is not in the bed. Romance is loves, the love of God ministering to your mate. And that's exactly what you did to get her. That's exactly what you did when you dated her. You, you romanced her. You talked on the phone for an hour. Now you won't talk on the phone. You won't even call home and say, how you doing? God bless you. But boy, when you was trying to get her, you knew there was about five or six other guys getting her. And you'd call and keep her tied up. For hours so nobody else would call. Strategy 101. Then you'd send her flowers. Then you'd date her. And you'd even spend money on her, hallelujah. Come on. And you'd take her to a restaurant that did not have a drive-in window. <laughs> you was courting her. Now what you was doing, you was trying to catch her. But once you get her, you just want to put her up on the wall and say, there's my wife right there, praise God. Taxidermist, go ahead and embalm her. Because I've killed her. Come on. Come on. I got her. I ain't going to touch her no more. I'm not, I'm not going to wear a clean T-shirt except when I go to church. I'm not going to brush my teeth. I'm not going to dress up. I'm not going to date her. Because I got her. And that's a man's mentality. We're capture-oriented. Say amen, oh me, or something. God said wisdom. Wisdom is seeing that she's a gift that's vulnerable. She's a gift called a weaker vessel and you ought to minister grace unto the hearer. Not corrupt words, but grace to the hearer. I'll never forget, it's the funniest thing ever happened in this church, I really believe this. But uh, we haven't, Rededication of wedding vows, and I'm standing right here, so help me. I stand right here with a little pulpit, and there's a door right there, big old door. These doors are still here, and I'm sitting here, and I said, we're going to have all the couples come up here and rededicate their wedding vows. I pushed it. I said, we're going to have a steak dinner afterwards. We're going to go up to the Waffle House and have a waffle together or something. We're going to go all out. We're going to have boutonnieres, and we're going to have decorations and it's going to be rededicating your wedding at vows. There's this little humped over man named Charlie Rivers. He come up to me Sunday morning and said, Hey, 
I don't want to do that. I said, okay, Brother John. He said, but Ruby says I got to do it. I said, okay, fine. If Ruby says you got to do it, let me just say, well, I've been married 53 years. I don't know why I have to go through something like this again. I said, okay, Charlie, you don't have to do it. He says, yes, I got to do it because Ruby says I got to do it. I said, okay, we're on. Just let me, let me please reassure you, you won't have to say anything or do anything. Just stand next to me. So here we gather. We had 40 couples, I think. Glory to God, maybe 25. 40 ministerially speaking. And here's Charlie sitting next to me. Standing right here and his wife. And about that time, I'm about halfway through this ceremony, I hear something go, boom! And I look and he passed cold out. He's on the floor. He can't, he, I think he's breathing, but I didn't know he was going to breathe. I was under my breath and said, oh God, please help him breathe. Please, I know he's near heaven, but we don't want him to die now. This is going to be terrible. We called 911, so help me. We called 911. Here comes the ambulance. Here comes the stretcher. We got it. And they broke something. What do they call it under the nose? Ammonia. Smelling salts. And he woke up. He's on the stretcher now before they pulled him out. And he looked over at me and said, Brother Wayne, I told you I didn't want to do this. <laughs> and I said to myself, Breathe, Brother Charlie, breathe. And I want to say to you tonight, breathe, families, breathe. I want to say to each family and each marriage in here, breathe, marriage, breathe. Because God has called you to minister one another the grace of life and gracious words. Let me just give you a few more verses. I'll continue this next week. Because we got to go. But uh, you want to get your marriage back on course? It's going to start with communication based on God's word and by God's spirit. I want you to look at Proverbs 16, 21. Proverbs 16, 21, then go to 18, 21. I'll tell you what I'd like you to do for homework. I want you to go through the whole book of Proverbs and every time it mentions tongue or mouth or words, I want you to put a little W back for words. Words. Excuse me. Uh, Proverbs 16.21. I mean 18.21. 18.21. Here it is. This sums up my whole message. Death. Would y'all read it with me, please? Read it with me out loud. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. Look at verse 22. Whosoever findeth a wife, findeth a good thing, and obtaineth favor of the Lord. You got a good wife, you ought to thank God. You got a bad one, you ought to help her be a better one. <laughs> and vice versa, you got a sorry husband, you ought to make him, you ought to pray he'll be spiritual one day. Pray for him. But folks, the Bible says, Death and life are in the power of the tongue. You want to kill your marriage? Just keep on criticizing. I'll just say this. You want to kill your marriage? Just keep on being dull. That's a spiritual word for you never speak to her. 
you never compliment her unless you want something. You don't hug her in the kitchen, you just hug her in the bedroom. That's called manipulation, not ministry. Folks, I want to tell you something, I want to say it, and my wife said it for years, and I just didn't understand it. Ladies really appreciate appreciation and love and affection, not just physical, but emotional. Amen, ladies? You like your man once in a while to say, hey, I love you. And you're the greatest blessing in my life besides salvation and God. Amen. If I were to marry again, I'd marry you over just, just, just right now. You'd be my first pick. You'd be my last pick. You'd be everything. I just love you so much. You say, oh, that's just mushy. You get that off some soap opera. That's what's wrong. You've had too much time in the soap opera. I'm going to tell you something. Every woman is starved for words. If you don't believe it, you turn to Proverbs chapter 15, verse 3, and the harlot lured the man of God with words. Look at Proverbs uh, 5. Proverbs 5, verse 3. Proverbs 5, 3. Then we'll go down to verse 15. Proverbs 5, 3 says this, For the lips of a strange woman, that's referring to a harlot, drop as honeycomb, and her mouth is smoother than oil. I want to say this, and I want to say it real quick. Before you have a physical affair, you'll have an emotional affair. See, I want to tell you something. The devil knows what will crank your plow, so to speak, get you going and attract you. is somebody to go ahead and just build you up that's not your wife compliment you rave over you admire you so you know my husband never does this but I know you wouldn't treat me that way but look what the Bible says about those smooth words that are honeycomb smooth and old verse 4 it says but her end is bitter as wormwood sharp as a two edged sword what is wormwood in the Bible? What is wormwood in the Bible? Poison. Thank you, Brother Andrew. I knew you'd know. Poison. So the smooth words are poison. The lust of the eyes and the lust of the flesh are poison outside marriage. But I want to say what verse 15 says, and this is about this freshness in marriage and breathing new life in your marriage. Verse 15 of chapter 5 says this, Drink water out of thy own cistern and running water out of thy own well. It says, let the fountains be dispersed abroad and rivers of water in the streets. Let them be only thine and, and not strangers with thee. Let thy fountain be blessed and rejoice in the wife of thy youth. Let her be as a loving hind in a pleasant row. Let her breast satisfy thee at all time. Be thou ravaged always with her love. This is this. Why will thou, my son, be ravaged with a strange woman and embrace the bosom of a stranger? For the ways of man are before the eyes of the Lord. There's the fear of God. He knows, he knows you. And he pondereth all his goings. Look at verse 22. His own iniquity shall take the wicked himself, and he shall be holden with the cords of sin. Sin's addictive. It's aggressive, and it's deadly, like pornography. Look at verse 23. He shall die without instruction, and the greatness of his folly, he 
Hebrews chapter 1. Let's pray. I ain't got time to go to chapter 6, which talks about the plight of it. But you know what the key is? Keep the water fresh at home. I'm not talking about sex. I'm talking about conversation. And we men are the world's worst. I'm talking about, oh, here's one that I'm going to have to go into the pew on. Listening. You know, we all, uh, brother, brother Lamar pointed out great this morning in the Sunday school lesson, a lot of times we're thinking about what we're going to say while somebody's talking to us. We ain't listening. We're just thinking about our rebuttal. We're thinking about our next sentence because we're so full of ourselves. we don't listen. It'll kill your marriage if you don't learn to communicate. Communication is not just talking, it's listening. It's intercommunication. It's relationship. It's caring. It's sharing hearts, not just words. It's not this cliche, well, how was your day? Well, good. You don't even, you don't even wait for an answer. Good. No, it's how do, how, do you, how do you feel about it? How does that make you feel? You care enough about their heart that you ask questions about their heart. She tells you something, you say, well, get over it. Grow up. No, well, I, I can understand how you feel. I can understand how that made you feel. And you know something, it energizes her that moment that you care how much she feels and how she feels. You respect her enough to know that her heart is vulnerable, her heart is broken, and maybe you've added to it, and, it, and she cares. He, it, he, he cares. Oh, my goodness, my husband really cares about me. And I want to tell you something, it'll do more for the wife's energy and self-image than any mirror in this world. Men, you are the full-length mirror, the best full-length mirror for your wife's self-image. See, the reason she don't think she's anything is because you compared her to somebody else that you shouldn't compare. You know why she thinks she's nobody and nothing? Because you, she's caught you in pornography on your computer and she can't compete with those witches. Those harlots. That lust of the flesh that's grabbing your attention. You say, preacher, what's got you so riled up? I'm just preaching. And I did this in the couples retreat yesterday. And I do it in every couples retreat that I, that I teach at. Because, friend, I've seen too much of it. And I just want to close my second point by saying this. If you ever close the Spirit, your wife, it's like a clenched fist. And it's very hard to open up. But if you're one and you're ministering, there's a spiritual oneness that's God's design that's so beautiful. The two become one. Leave, cleave, and be one. But the devil is subtle. And he'll come and say, yea, as God said, and he gives you the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life. And he uses words sometimes from the harlot or the Casanova. And you fall for it. Come on, say amen. I'm just trying to help you. I've been there, done that, and you have too, where you've been tempted by something you saw or something you heard. And if you have it, you ain't been, you ain't been alive for about two weeks. Come on. But I want to show you how you can not close the spirit of your mate. 
Proverbs 15, 1 through 4. I'm just trying to give you some wisdom tonight. Through wisdom is a house building. We've got to go pray. I want to go pray. Look at verse 1 through 4 of Proverbs 15. And then we'll go to 16, 24 and close this part. Next week I'll show you the key to communication. It's the heart. No man can control their own tongue. You've got to have the spirit. The spirit. James chapter 3. A soft answers turneth away wrath, but grievous words stir up anger. You ever had that happen in your home? Where you just said, you weren't going to quit. Um, it was a multitude of words. As the word count went up real quick. You ever tried to out-talk your wife? Forget it, man, you'll never do it. No, you ever tried to out-talk your wife? But you out fuss your wife, you get loud, you know. You just aren't going to have your way or it's the highway. No, the soft answer is turn away wrath, but grievous words stir it up. But look at verse 2. The tongue of the wise uses knowledge aright, but the mouth of fools poureth out foolishness. Listen to this. The eyes of the Lord are in every place, beholding the evil and the good. There's the fear of the Lord again. But look at verse 4. A wholesome tongue is a tree of life. But perverseness, perverseness therein is a breach in the spirit. It breaks the spirit of your wife or your husband. You're just constantly criticizing, ma'am, and you're going to lose him. Because he's going he's to one day just close his spirit towards you, and some Jezebel's going to come around and say, Hey, I think I, I would love to be with you. He'll set up a situation that you never thought would be possible, and I don't care how old you are how long you've been married, you're not exempt from it. Come on. I'm preaching to myself here. And folks, listen. The way not to close that spirit, that breach of spirit, is have a wholesome tongue as a tree of life. Wow. What a beautiful picture the book of Proverbs is. Hey, friend, look, look at this in verse 23 of Proverbs, of Proverbs chapter 15. Says a man hath joy by the answer of his mouth. And a word spoken in due season, how good it is. <laughs> Amen. Don't you hate to fuss and fight? Come on, y'all. Amen. Some of y'all just rage in right now. Yeah, I'm, I'm tired of it. You got scars all over your heart, not on your face, I hope. Life's too short. I was a nervous wreck and stuttered the first five years of school. Because my daddy and mama fussed all the time because he got drunk so much. I was a nervous, I was a stutterer. And I thought I was nobody. I thought, I was, I thought, I thought the whole family was just dysfunctional. I, and then I got critical when I was a teenager. And a young man about weren't my marriage because of insecurity. It'll warp your children. Look at verse 24, chapter 16. Pleasant words are as a honeycomb, sweet to the soul and health to the bones. Proverbs 16, 24. Let me just close and I'll introduce next week's uh, message. Uh, words attract. Words make people come back to you. Like I love you. Appreciate you. I just like to be around people that express appreciation. 
You say, oh, yeah, that's what you're looking for. Don't tell me what I'm looking for, buddy. I just, you know, I, I, and I'll tell you something. I avoid you that's negative about everything. I see you coming down the hall. I said, oh, Lord, what's wrong now? I'm being explicitly honest here, and I'll probably lose somebody over this, but I'm going to tell you something, friend. Words attract. You know, you, you, you just don't want to be around a positive person once in a while. Hey, I'll tell you this. Smiles attract. Hey, you get real mad sometimes. You're about to fuss and fight home. Just smile at her. <laughs> then she'll slap you and say, What you up to? <laughs> what you been into? Well, you come home drunk. No, no, listen. You ought to smile. <laughs> Amen. You ought to smile. You ought to smile when she comes in the room, Amen. not when she leaves it. Amen. Amen. I'm just trying to get where we live now. Listening matters. Words attract. A word fitly spoken is like apples of gold and pitcher of silver. Proverbs 25, 11. I don't know what that means. I have no idea. But I do believe it means it's beautiful. So words fitly spoken are beautiful. Beautiful. You say, I'm worried that he thinks somebody else is more beautiful or, you know, I'm not beautiful anymore because I'm old as he is and white as he is. I'll tell you how you become beautiful. Words fitly spoken. I'm not talking about maneuvering and manipulation. I'm talking about from your heart, there's a heart of God. Love and appreciation. Words acquit. Remember the time that Brother Lou Rossi preached a message here in a revival? And the title of the message was this. Three things that men never say. I was wrong. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. That was his whole message. It touched my heart. Because we men in our pride, we're never wrong. It's your fault. The reason I did wrong, you did wrong. Wow! Flesh of my flesh and bone of my bones. Eve, you're my gift. One chapter later, the woman made me do it. Started blaming the woman for his sin. What happened? The devil seduced her. The devil seduced him. How did he do it? Words. Hey, words affirm and words confirm. Marriage becomes your most important ministry as you encourage and edify. Words attack. You want to chase people away? Words can encourage or edify. Proverbs 15, 23 a man hath joy by the answer of his mouth and the word spoken in due season. How good it is. You just want to be around people that have words from their heart of joy and peace. Words devastate. Folks, let me just close. Right, it's time. Words come from the heart. Matthew chapter 6, verse 21 says there's treasures in our heart. You ought to share those treasures and they come from the word of God. But also Matthew uh, chapter 12 says, out of the heart comes words. Oh, I didn't mean that. Yes, you did. Because the Bible says when you speak words, they come from your heart. Hasty and hateful. Or loving and thankful. That's your option. I want you to write this acrostic down and I'll close. I promise you I won't say another word after this acrostic. I'd like to because I didn't get really to the 
emphasis of the message, which is the heart, the heart. The mind, will, and emotion has to be filled with the Spirit of God. Read James chapter 3 when you go to bed tonight. And you'll find out the tongue cannot be t tamed by you or any other person. It's tamed by the Spirit. Amen. Amen. That helped me because I thought I was pretty in control. But I found out I can't, even, I can't even guard my mouth without the Holy Spirit. Put down the word think, T-H-I-N-K. Before you say anything, you ought to think spiritual. Number one, T, is it true? Write down, hey, you that are considering marriage, write this down. Before you speak, you ought to say, is it true? There's a lot of things that's not true. The devil amplifies. Number two, H, is it helpful? Before I say this, will this help the situation or totally destroy it? And then number three, I, is it inspiring? Amen. You ever been around a person that has real bad breath? That's expiring. Amen. Is it inspiring? Number number N or letter N. Is it necessary? I mean, can I really do I really have to say this? One time a lady said, Well, what's what's on TV? I'd like to watch some TV. What's on TV? And the guy looked at her and said, Dust. Okay, anyway. So is it, is it necessary? Come on. And then last but not least, okay, is it kind? The ministry that's missing in the home today is kindness. We're kind to everybody else. We treat everybody else better than we do our own mate. But folks, I want to tell you something. Don't ever treat your wife less important than an unannounced guest. She's your wife. He's your husband. And one day, you're going to walk in that bedroom. It's going to be empty. And she's never coming back. Because she went on to be with the Lord, or the devil grabbed her, and she went to somebody else's arms. Or, like I met yesterday, a dear ex-member of this church, serving Philadelphia Baptist Church, Sharon Gapart. And I said, hey, sister, where's Allie? She said, didn't you hear, preacher? She's in the nursing home. She had a stroke. And she looked at me with little tears in her eyes because she couldn't be in the couple's retreat with us. She was back there making soup and serving tables. And she said, he doesn't even know me. He doesn't even know me. Alan used to be a great usher in this church, and he ushered down here in Philadelphia two years ago. He was ushering, and now he's got Alzheimer's, and he's had strokes, and he doesn't know his wife. Hey, while you know her, why don't you acknowledge her as a gift from God? Let's pray. Father, I know I went over time, and I can't help it because I'm trying to help some marriages, trying to help my marriage, God forbid that we sin the sin of taking each other for granted. And Lord, you promised through wisdom is a house built. And through understanding is it filled with pleasant, it's established and it's filled the chambers with pleasant riches. And Lord, one of those riches is mutual submission, edification, love and joy and peace, affirmation, gratitude for each other. 
With every head bowed, every eye closed tonight.